Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers, so anything I help. And here's where we'll start. So last week I said that I was going to break down the NFL division by division before the season starts. We're about four, four and a half weeks away from the, uh, from the season starting. And last episode I went over the AFC South. This episode, I'm going to talk about the AFC East. The AFC East consists of the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. I'm going to break down each team, of course. Going to talk about some interesting, you know, developments or interesting stories we have about the teams. And then I'm also going to rank them from, I guess, least to best in the division. Let's start with the, let's start with the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots find themselves in a, in a in an interesting situation. And I say interesting situation because they find themselves in a situation that they haven't seen in, in a while. And that is, they're not that, I mean, they're coming off a season where they weren't that good. I don't know the last time, uh, the last time the, the New England Patriots came into a season not being the favorite outside of last year. And... This is new times for New England. You know what I mean? Like, New England's just a regular team now. Now, of course, you still have a great coach in Bill Belichick. We'll talk about Cam Newton in a second. But it's just a regular team. It's like a, a team that you – usually you expect greatness from the New England Patriots. You expect them to be, you know, one of the top teams in the league. But they're just not there anymore. And, of course, we need to see what happens with Mac Jones. Again, we need to see what happens with Cam Newton. But I don't think that they will get there like they're just not that good of a team and a question I, I posed a question on social media if you don't follow me on social media the, or the pop of the podcast on social media the link is in the description below my twitter instagram uh youtube you know, youtube uh go go check them out but i posed a question i said is cam newton a hall of famer and a lot of people say yeah a lot of people said no it's of course your opinion but Let's talk about it. Who is Cam Newton? Cam Newton is, he's a hard person to, uh, he's a hard person to assess. And I said he's a hard person to assess because he does some incredible things well. He's one of the greatest runners of the football at the quarterback position that we've ever seen. He's one of the best athletes at the quarterback position we've ever seen. Um, he's dealt with, of course, some injuries, uh, but some of his best years were, of course, the 2015 year when the Panthers went all the way to the Super Bowl and lost. Uh, he was having an incredible year last year before COVID hit. Cam Newton is a really tough person to assess because while you have all those great attributes, you also have some attributes that's hard to hard to not notice. Cam Newton has never been the most accurate passer of the ball. Um like I said, Cam Newton has dealt with injury from time to time, and that injury has caused him to not only miss uh, a bunch of games, but when he comes back, he's not 100% there because he's either usually rehabbing instead of training because rehabbing and training is two different things for people that don't know. Also, we talked about last year, right? And, I'm, and again, we'll get back to the New England Patriots. We talked about last year. 
Cam Newton had an incredible, was having an incredible start to the season, having one of his higher or highest passer ratings. Uh, while he wasn't scoring that many touchdowns, it wasn't because he wasn't good. It was because the fact that they didn't have really a good wide receiver core. But then COVID hit. And a lot of people just killed Cam Newton last year because when he came back from COVID, of course, he didn't he didn't look the same. He looked a step slower. Uh, I think after COVID, he only scored like maybe like six or seven touchdowns or something like that. Like he he really wasn't good. But I, I tried to tell people and I tried to explain. You have to understand, man. And it's it is it's legendary how how difficult the New England Patriots system is to adapt not only due to with the trying to learn the the playbook but just trying to trying to adapt yourself to the to the New England way it's incredibly difficult especially especially or especially I don't know <laughs> when you talk about the circumstance that that the the whole league dealt with last year you had the NF, you had covid of course a lot of games were getting canceled. Hell, the New England Patriots was a team that got hit probably one of, like, I'm not going to say they got hit the hardest due to COVID, but a lot of their great, their their best players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, opted out due to, to the, you know, they didn't want to play in the season due to COVID. Not to mention the fact that the team did get hit with COVID. I mean, Cam Newton got hit with COVID. And they didn't have, an, they didn't really have a, have a traditional offseason season last year nor did they have a preseason and i think the patriots is one of those teams where you need a preseason you need you need as many reps as possible because you need to learn the system and like i said it's 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 legendarily tough to learn that i mean just as some of the you know as has tom brady as uh devin mccourty like it is one of the most the one of the most difficult uh, playbooks to learn and when you pair that with the fact that Cam Newton is first of all he 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 got picked up because uh, people that forget he got picked up late in the season like he got picked up maybe three or four weeks before the before the season even starts uh, like I said no no um no preseason you don't really get familiar, but even in that, even in that, Cam Newton had an incredible start to the season. We remember what he did at the, uh, against the was it the Dolphins? The Dolphins, the first game. We remember what the the incredible, even though they lost, the incredible game they had against the Seahawks. Cam Newton looked really good, but the problem with that, and the problem, and the tough part about this organ, uh, the the Patriots organization, and what happened last year was. The toughest thing to do is miss is is start off strong and then have to halt, have to halt because Cam Newton caught COVID and of course there was like a COVID outbreak on the Patriots. There was also a COVID outbreak for the Colts, COVID outbreak for the Ravens. A lot of teams experienced COVID. A lot of not a lot of games getting pushed back. This that, and a third. With no circumstances. If you miss, if the quarterback misses time, the show goes on. The train, especially for New England, the train just keeps moving. And it's hard to get put back into that situation when you're already not really familiar with the playbook like that because you didn't really have time to learn it like that. You're not really familiar with your teammates, and your teammates aren't the greatest. I mean, 
your, your number one receiver was Nikhil Harry. <laughs> like, come on now. So it's it's it, it was tough. Last year was 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 I'm gonna say it was an anomaly year, and I think that Cam Newton's gonna bounce back incredibly. Like I said, you have an offseason now. You have a uh, you have a you you have a, a a slight preseason, and of course you have you have more players. You have you have uh, better tight ends now. You have a better wide receiver core. So I think I think Cam Newton's gonna bounce back pretty well from what happened last year. Now again, the question is: Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, I, it's to me that's that's probably one of the toughest questions to ask because we know who can we we know who Cam Newton is at his best. It's just how many times have we seen his best? To me, at his best, I mean, hell, he's one of the great, he's one of the best quarterback, dual threat quarterbacks we've ever had. Again, i.e., look at the 2015 season or look at his rookie season for the Carolina Panthers. Look at, look at pretty much his entire career for the, for the Panthers. See, and, and one of the reasons why I'm talking about Hall of Fame is because we, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame inductees. And a, a question that was presented was, is is the twenty the twenty twenty two? Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But back to back to New England. I don't know, man. I think I would say I would say yes. Now I'm biased in this situation as far as I'm a big Cam Newton fan. That's that's not that's no secret. So I would say yes. But I would say yes because again, he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks we've ever seen. Now, yeah, his accuracy isn't the greatest, but what he makes, what he lacks in accuracy, he makes up with his running ability. He makes up with his physicality when he runs the ball. Hell, that's a lot of that's that's the reason why a lot of the times he's injured because he, you know, he gets hit and and not to mention the fact that if you really look at the the one time the one time he had uh, an incredible defense and an incredible offensive line that was 2015, and of course as we saw. He didn't really have a wide receiver car. He had core. He had Greg Olson, and he did. I mean, <laughs> he didn't really have a wide receiver core, and they st- and he still got them to the Super Bowl. So that's that's one. Like I said, he's 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 either dealt with a he's, he's usually had a good defense. I mean, you had Luke Keekley. He usually had a good defense. It was just his offensive line or or his wide receiver core was god awful. I.e., what we saw last year. So. I think when you when you give him a lot of help or when you give him the help that he needs, uh, he 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 can do some things. And and like I said, we saw that in 2015. We saw that his rookie year, and of course, we saw that last year before COVID hit. But back to the Patriots, what do the Patriots really have a? I'm not gonna say a stranglehold anymore because what we saw last year that's pretty much over with. But what do you expect? What do we expect from the Patriots now? Like, you know, usually expect with, with Tom Brady and, and everything. We, the Patriots were usually one of those teams that we usually always expected at least championship type play, champion, championship caliber, uh, championship caliber season. But I don't think we see we, we expect that anymore. We, in fact, I think you'd be pretty naive to expect that. I mean, the the the. the 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 New England Patriots are not the New England Patriots of old. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the better cornerbacks, he's he's getting up there in age. Not to mention, he's been on the trade block for God knows how many years. Um, of course, we need to see some of the players that come back 
uh, that that opted out last year due to COVID, but they they they're not world beaters anymore. Like that's what we that's what we have grown accustomed to, and they're not that. So I don't know, man. I, I the the question. Well, there's a 17 game season at this point now, and the question is, can they make it to 11 wins? And I think a lot of that depends on. I mean, we know the 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 Patriots philosophy. It's run the ball and have an incredible defense. Even with Tom Brady, they they they. I mean, there is a run happy team. However, you're starting to see that the Patriots are kind of, um, I guess, acquiescing to Cam Newton's strong suit. If you look back, and I and I talk about 2015 and not a lot because, of course, that was the year that they made the that was the year that he made the, the Super Bowl with the Panthers. If you look at that, Cam Newton's Cam Newton's most his most of his success came from passes to the tight end. Of course, we had Greg Olson. A lot of people can can question his his ranking and and of course all time as far as tight ends. But he had Greg Olson, and that was his number one target, and and it it worked wonders for the the Panthers. And as you're seeing, the 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 New England Patriots now are loading up on on tight ends, and. You know, I think, I think they're they're setting up they're setting this season up to be very successful for Cam Newton. So the question is again, can they make it to eleven wins? I say that means they'll be eleven and what eleven and six. Um, mm, I don't know about eleven wins. I don't know about eleven wins. I can say I do. I can see them getting to nine or ten. I can see them to getting nine or ten wins. Eleven is tough because in that point, I think that you'd have to beat maybe the Bills once, and we'll talk about them in a second. I don't know if that's happening. Uh, and of course, you. I think you have to be somebody outside of the Jets. You have to be somebody in your division at least twice. And I don't know if they'll be able to beat the Dolphins twice, seeing as their incredible defense, and of course the Bills. So, and they have a tough schedule. They have a really tough set schedule to 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 start. The end of the schedule is not that tough, but to start, and we all know, you know, the, the Patriots and Bill Belichick, they have a history and a, and a historic record of being mediocre in the first, what, in September. So, I don't know, man. I, I think, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs either. Well, you know what? I think they can make the playoffs. Again, because they're 17 team or 17 games, I think this is the fir- or second first year that an extra team makes it into the playoffs. When you look at the AFC, when you look at the AFC in general, they have a good chance. I just don't know because we need to see. We need to see what happens with the defense. We need to see what happens. Even though you did bring a lot of new weapons to the team, I mean, you got Nelson Aguilar, you have Kendrick Bourne. Like, are those are those uh, weapons Super Bowl or playoff caliber weapons? Again, we'll have to see that with Cam Newton. So, I don't know. Uh, I think that we're in. I think that the the the, the Patriots are going to be a lot better than they were last year. So um, I, I'll say about nine to ten wins. I'll say about nine to ten wins for the Patriots. And let's move over to the Bills. The Bills had had a exciting <laughs> had an exciting uh, off season due to the fact that they locked up their franchise quarterback, which is Josh Allen, for six years, three hundred or two hundred and fifty eight million dollar extension. Um, I will say this. Josh Allen is the perfect 
and I mean absolute perfect example of how important a star wide receiver is. Now, I'm not saying that Josh Allen's success is solely due to Stephon Diggs being there, but Stephon Diggs being there is a huge, and I mean absolutely huge, I guess you could say uh, benefit for 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 Josh Allen. Not to mention the offensive coordinator they changed, and he and he's been incredible. But people forget, or people don't remember. When you look at what six years, two hundred and fifty-eight million, you think, "Damn, he's one of the best wire. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league." Which last year proved that he is. However, people forget how bad, like how god awful he was his first two years in the league. Like his first year. For people that don't remember, coming out of college, he was one of the highest ranked quarterbacks in league history going into the draft. Like they were putting him up against, you know, the Peyton Mannings. Um, They're putting him up against the some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever be, I guess, prospected out of college. He was he's a big arm, a big like he, he can he's used to cold weather playing in Wyoming, so he's he's tough. But his first year, he was god awful. And his second year was better than his first, but he was he wasn't god awful his second year. He was just awful. So it was it was bad, man. And and again, he gets a new he gets a new offensive coordinator, and you get Stefan Diggs, and now you're one game, you were one game away last year from being in the Super Bowl. So this really, you know, again, and I talk about this all the time, fit matters in the NFL more than really any sport, in my opinion. You can you can drop now I say fit matters a lot in basketball, especially rookie years and stuff. But if you're a, if you're a great talent, if you're a transition uh transcendent, ooh, transcendent talent then fit doesn't hell uh what's his name lebron james got now again i understand that's an anomaly but he got cleveland to the nba finals with mo williams and 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 uh what drew gooden so fit matters in the nfl more than to me any sport and the fact that you get dropped now now buffalo has has been a good team since he's been there but when you Buffalo didn't have a really star receiver and their her offensive coordinator was ugh, iffy. When you bring a new offensive coordinator and you bring a number one receiver as good as Stefan Diggs, you have to you if you're cap if you're if you're one of those if you're a caliber type player that can do this, all you're going to rise, you're going to improve. And as we saw last year, he just Josh Allen just exploded. And yes, he, in my opinion, he deserves uh, the two hundred and fifty-eight million dollar extension. Like that's how good he was. And if he continues to play like this, he is a franchise quarterback. No, he maybe complain. He is a franchise quarterback, and he's one of those quarterbacks. When you look up, like I don't know if he'll ever win a Super Bowl, but I do think that he can make it to a couple Super Bowls. Now, again, he's going to have to there, – there's another team we'll talk about maybe next uh, Friday or, something, or Saturday or something. But we need to see what the Bills do with the Chiefs. But he showed last year that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he, he has the Bills primed for another deep playoff run. 
or at least uh, back to the playoffs. Now, the question is, see, there's there's different questions for different teams. You know, different teams have different radars, different teams. Ex- I mean, everybody, when you're going into the, the offseason, everybody thinks they're, hell, everybody thinks they're going to be, you know, Super Bowl caliber teams. Hell, if you ask people in the Jets organization, they think they're making it to the playoffs. But there are different barometers for different teams. You know, it's, 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 you can't, the New England Patriots at this point, you can't say, oh, are they, are they Super Bowl caliber teams? Because we know they're not. You can't say to the Jets, oh, are they Super Bowl caliber teams? No. The Bills, however, have, they've, they've etched themselves into the, are they Super Bowl caliber teams? Because of what they did last year against the, I mean, they made it to the AFC championship. The question that they have is can they one duplicate what they did last year and expand on it as far as the only thing that you can expand on is actually making it to the Super Bowl and the question is are they good enough are they better than the Chiefs at this point because the Chiefs in my opinion is the cream of the crop when we talk about the AFC now offensively they did they okay they locked up Josh Allen they still have Stephon Diggs they kind of addressed their running game, which they needed to, seeing as though their best running running back or, yeah, their best running back last year was Josh Allen. Um, but I think that the question is, here's what, here, I'll say this. I'll say this. The reason why I don't think they're ready to, uh, I don't think they're ready to, 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 go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, in my opinion, is because of their defense. Their defense was not good last year. Yeah, they had, they had you know, a couple a couple bright spots in their defense. But their defense, was it Micah Hyde? Like, their defense is not, as a collective whole, good. Like, they were getting gashed by the Ravens. They were getting gashed by, by a lot of teams. And... I don't know if they really addressed that in the offseason. I understand some of the, you know, your priorities was was lock up Josh Allen, which they did, but they didn't really address their defense. And because of that, I don't know if I mean you need you need one a high scoring offense, which the the Bills do, but you also need a, a defense that can slow down uh an attack from a Ravens, an attack from the the what the um the Chiefs and I just don't know if they can do that. However, I do think that at least in the AFC East, they are the best team by a country mile. I, and that's crazy to say, especially when we think about the history that the 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 New England Patriots have had. But I think I mean yeah, the Bills is the best team in the division by a country mile. It's like it's not even close. And Josh Allen is the best quarterback in this division, and it's not even close. So. I think that the Bills are primed for 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 an incredible season, and I think that they they are good enough. Don't be surprised. Let me say this: I think that the this team, the Bills, if they duplicate and expand on what they did last year, this team is good enough to make it to a Super Bowl. This team is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I just I need to see if, again. We need to see what happens in the season, and we need to see what happens going up against some of the top AFC teams. Like I said, the the Ravens, uh, the the Chiefs, maybe the the Browns. But I do think that the Bills 
are good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. We just need to and win the Super Bowl. We just need to see how this season plays out. But yes, Josh, for people that question, yes, Josh Allen deserved this six-year extension. Not to, and, and we'll talk about Luca in a second. But the beauty about Josh Allen is he's still young. So when this, when this, in fact, let me see, let me see how old Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is. 25 years old. So in six years, he'll be 31. Uh, He's still old. Like, he's still... 31 isn't, as we've seen for this this age of quarterback, you look at Tom Brady, you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers, you look at Russell Wilson. 31's not old at this point. So he's still young enough that even even if he plays out this entire extension... Um, or I think the extension, I think after this year it starts. So he'll be 32. You're still good. He's still good enough to to get another deal. So I, I think it was smart on his part. I think it was smart on the, steel, uh, on the Bills part. As we're starting to see, there is, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks that's not locked up. Again, outside of, you know, maybe two big exceptions, which is the Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. There's not really all that. There's not really a premium for quarterbacks that's available. So you want to lock up a quarterback that a lot of people felt last year should have deserved more votes for MVP. So uh, I, I can see again. I, I can see the Bills going to the AFC Championship. I can see them going to the Super Bowl. I can even see them winning the Super Bowl. It really depends on if Josh Allen can improve or or. Yeah, if Josh Allen can improve, because there was still some games and some of his decision-making is still a little questionable, but if he improves, and, and slight improvements, if he slightly improves and the defense is able to keep up with the offense, then, yeah, they, they have a good case. So uh, that's that's the Bills. Let's move on to the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a lot of questions that they need, or that I'm not going to say a lot. They have a big question, and that big question is, now a team a team can say something. A team can say a lot of great things. However, their actions speak a whole hell of a lot louder than their words. And that is that bowls extremely, extremely well for or no, I'm not gonna say extreme or bowls well, but that is the case for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have been trying to get well. As we know, Deshaun Watson has been on the market this entire offseason. Came out and said uh, he doesn't want to play for the Texans anymore. He, he wants to trade. Hell, I think uh, a report yesterday out of the Texans organization or out of the out of Texas is saying that he is never going to play another down for the Texans. So he's been he's been available. And like I stated last episode, it's very rare that a player of his age and his caliber is available. So the Dolphins have been trying their hardest, and I mean their absolute hardest, to get Deshaun Watson. And that means they've been trying to give up their now their their starting quarterback right now, which is Tua Tagovailoa. Now, yes, I think Deshaun Watson is a lot better than Tua. Don't get me wrong. But then you can't come out and say, no, Tua's our guy, but you've been trying to shop him all, all offseason. So the Dolphins is an incredible team. Oh, not to mention, my fault, I totally forgot. 
not just not just Deshaun Watson, but the Dolphins also threw Tua and threw their hands in the ring when Aaron Rodgers was saying that he doesn't want to return to Green Bay. So all offseason, Tua has been pretty much out there dangling like, yo, somebody come get this dude. Now, again, this is the NFL. This is the professional league. So it's, it's a business. You know, a team is always going to try to improve on their business. That 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 shouldn't be a question. The question is, are the Dolphins good enough with Tua? When I say good enough, it goes back to when we talk about the Bills. To me, the Bills' ceiling is a Super Bowl. I don't think the Dolphins, at least right now, the Dolphins' ceiling is not a Super Bowl. The Dolphins' ceiling is probably the playoffs. Are they good enough to make them make the playoffs? Now, last year they were. It's just they kind of ran out of steam at the end. I just, I, you know... It's not just are they good enough to make the playoffs. It's is two of the guy. Now they can say, yeah, two is the guy, but clearly you you believe otherwise if you've been trying to trade him damn near this entire offseason. Now, again, I understand when you compare Tua to Deshaun Watson, it's not a comparison. When you compare Tua to, to Aaron Rodgers, it's not a comparison. I understand that. But even still, if that's your you didn't and now again, I also understand these players but you didn't hear the bills try to go after uh aaron Rodgers or deshaun watson you didn't hear the ravens trying to go after deshaun watson you didn't hear the chiefs trying to go after deshaun watson hell you didn't even hear the the bucks the the Tampa Bay buccaneers you didn't hear them going after the deshaun watson you didn't hear green bay going after deshaun watson even though green bay has been struggling to keep their own quarterback so it's like their actions are showing you that they i'm not gonna i don't i don't they don't trust Tua Tagovailoa as much as they lead themselves to believe. And and you can actually look. Tua has struggled in some big moments. You know, he's been benched a couple of fourth quarters. He Now, again, I understand this is rookie year. And, I you know, it, 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 it's, it's your rookie year. And especially last year was tougher than any year with no preseason. And I said I said a, a, a while ago, uh, before last year's season, that it's gonna you're going to struggle for the rookies. Now, inside of maybe one or two, you saw a lot of the rookies struggle because of no offseason. No no offseason, no no preseason. So the Dolphins have to figure out and Tua has to are they is Tua the guy? And if Tua is the guy, where what he pretty much he pretty much uh determines where their ceiling is. Now, if Tua is at his best, if Tua is playing the best football he's ever played in his life, I still don't think the Dolphins are a Super Bowl caliber team uh, because that I think I just, I just I just don't know. I just it's hard for me to look at the Dolphins and think that they're better than the Bills. It's hard for me to look at the Dolphins and put them in the same category as the Ravens, as uh, the Chiefs, as the, the 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 hell the Steelers. Like it's hard for me to put them in the same category as that. Because again, we need to see what Tua is. We need to see what ceiling Tua gives them. Now, uh, this—if you look at the team just outside of Tua—it's an incredible team. They have a really good offensive line. They have really good pieces on the perimeter. You know, Devontae Parker. They have really good pieces. They have a really good running game, and they have an incredible defense. I think last year they were the highest-scoring defense in the league. Uh, the Dolphins were so. Out, that's that's why I'm saying that Tua is. We need to see what Tua is because outside of Tua and and, and around the, the the team, they they have a really 
good team. That now I don't know if their team is Super Bowl caliber team, but they have a uh, their team. Say you let me say this. So I, I'm gonna ref- I'm gonna I'm gonna change my thoughts. I'm gonna, I do think this is a Super Bowl caliber team, and I say that because if you if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback of this team, I think that they could make the Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers was was the quarterback of this team, I think they could make the Super Bowl. If Tom Brady was the quarterback from this team, I think they could make the Super Bowl. If if Josh Allen was the quarterback of this team, I think they could make the Super Bowl. So this is a Super Bowl caliber team, and that's why it goes back to the original statement. This, we Tua Tagovailoa determines what their ceiling is. If he balls out and plays out of his mind, then they they could have a deep playoff run. If he plays like he played last year, yeah, no. So that's why we just to me we just need to wait. It, it really depends on Tua. Now again. The Dolphins can say that they trust Tua and that he's their franchise quarterback and that they have nothing but true faith in him. But again, they've been every single time there has been a quarterback of, you know, an, an upper echelon quarterback that's been available. You've always heard the Dolphins are trying to make a push. I'm like, damn. They really don't. They really don't mess with Tua. So, we'll, you know, the doll. We, we'll definitely need. This is an interesting season, and this season to me is very important for Tua. Very important for Tua. So, that's the Dolphins and the Jets. The Jets. The Jets are in the same situation, in my opinion, that the that the Jaguars is in. We talked about the Jaguars last episode. They're in the same position. You have a young quarterback, uh, a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, who you pretty much expect to start week one. You have a new coach in Robert Sala. You know, this team has some good pieces. Uh, Their offensive line is still god-awful. So I feel bad for Zach Zach Wilson. He's pretty much going to be running for his life. But luckily, uh, he's a mobile quarterback. He was that at BYU, so... Um, I guess that's gonna bode well, but he does have some wide. He does have some wide receivers. Uh, he has he has some a good talent in that situation. However, like I said, if his offensive line is god awful, so is he gonna have time to throw it to them? I don't I don't know. Um, their defense is is okay. It's not the uh, it's it's decent. Let me say it, it's decent. Uh, but and I don't think that it'll be as bad as last year. Uh, but. I, this is this is a this season is going to be interesting for the Jets because this is the first season in a while without Sam Darnold, of course. And this there's a new coach, uh, new quarterback, pretty much new scheme. So we need to see what Robert Sala. Uh, you know, Robert Sala was ta- touted as one of the best coaching candidates this offseason. Of course, he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. and a lot of people were saying that he, you know was good enough to be a head coach and should have been a head coach. And of course the Jets gave him the opportunity. I don't understand. And it's going on a little tangent. I don't understand why Eric Bieniemy still isn't a head coach, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to keep moving. Um, but I, I don't really expect much from the Jets. Uh, I, ex- I, I don't know what to expect. Let me say that. I don't know what to expect because again, this is a new uh, head coaching staff. It's a new quarterback. Some of the same problems that they dealt with for years now, which is the offensive line, the D, uh, yeah, the offensive line pretty much is still not the best. But you know, I'm expected. I I don't know what to expect from the Jets. I do think, however, it's it's going to be kind of similar to what we see from the from the Jaguars because again, new new head coach, 
Urban Myers for the Jets, new head coach, Robert Sala, new quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the Jets, new quarterback, Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I don't really expect much. I When, when we're ranking these, uh, I will say this, though. Trevor Lawrence is not, or Zach Wills is not Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> now, again, we don't know what they'll be in the league, but nah, that's, that's not the case. So, if we're ranking, if, of course, we're ranking the division, right now, on, uh, I say, starting from worst to best, you have the Jets, in my opinion. Again, they, young team, they still have a, they probably have, they do have the worst offensive line in the division. Uh, new head coach, new quarterback. Um, then I'm gonna go with the New England Patriots right now, cause I can't, I can't forget what happened last year. Now again, I understand that you have an off season, you have a preseason. Of course, Cam Newton's gonna be held, or hopefully Cam Newton stays healthy the entire year. This, of course, can change, but as of right now, I have, uh, I have the New England Patriots as third on in the division. Then you have the Dolphins. I think they need to figure out what they have in Tua and if Tua is the franchise quarterback or not. But outside of Tua, they do have a really good, really good team, a Super Bowl caliber team. If you put the right coat, I mean, not right coat, right quarterback. We just need to see if Tua is the right quarterback. And then, of course, the Bills. The Bills to me is the is the top of the class of this organ or of this division right now. Josh Allen, you have the best. I mean, you have the best wide receiver in the in the in the in the division. You have the best quarterback in the division. You probably have the best coach. Well, the second best coach in the division outside of Bill Belichick. So, I think I think the Bills is to me head and shoulders above the rest of the division. So, that's the AFC East. Next episode, of course, we'll we'll break down another division. The goal is to break down all the divisions by the seasons or the start of the season, which of course we'll do. And then of course we'll we'll throw in some top tens in there and and yeah. But I'm excited for the season. I said this last episode, but I'm excited for the season. This season is going to be there's a lot of news. Okay, a new uh, an extra you know 17 games, an extra playoff team. Uh, there's a there's a lot of storylines to talk about in every division, and that's why we're gonna. That's why I'm breaking down every division before the season starts. So that's the AFC East. Let's move forward. We talked about we talked about Josh Allen getting the extension, and I said I was going to talk about Luca. Luca signs a five year, two hundred and seven million dollar extension. Now this extension is unlike anyone we've seen and what does that mean we've never really seen a player this young be he's 22 be this good this fast now I understand and now we talked about this last episode but I understand that Luka Doncic has played um overseas since he was like 16 so I understand that you know you molded him and he's not really a tradition or he wasn't really a traditional rookie he wasn't really a traditional young player coming to the league seeing as though he he played he played most of his life overseas but the reason why I said this extension is unlike anything we've seen is because Luca is only 22 and which which means a lot of things. It means that he hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential yet. And Luca's already this good. Hell, we had a conversation last episode. Is Luca the best player in the world? 
Luca's only 22. Is he? Luca is 22, right? Yeah, Luca's only 22 years old. And the fact that he's 22, still, you know, still this good is unheard of, unprecedented. Also, the reason why I the another reason why I said that this extension is unlike any other is because we just we just praise Steph Curry for for being the first player in M- NBA history to sign two two hundred plus million dollar extensions with with Golden State. Steph Curry has been all worldly. Steph Curry has been one of the greatest player greatest NBA players we've ever seen, and Steph Curry is undoubtedly the best shooter of all time. Like. That we know who Steph Curry is. Also, you look at Steph Curry's age, I believe he's 33. Which means <laughs> yeah, nah. Now the extension that he signed was for four years. So after, you know, he's be he'll be what? I think the extension starts after next season. So he'll be what, thirty-eight by the time this so I don't think he's getting another two hundred million dollar deal, but I don't know. Luka Doncic is twenty two. That means at the at the end of this extension, he'll probably be 27, 28. He's still that means he'll be in the in the heart of his prime. He'll be better than he is now. And more than likely he'll sign another two hundred million dollar plus extension. And think about it. Say he signs another four year at twenty at twenty. Let's say 28. That means he'll be 32. That means he can sign another one. Again, Luka Doncic is different, man. Luka Doncic is 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 a player. Un, is again, man. When we look at some of the foreign players in the league or of all time, of course you got Hakeem Olajuwon, you got Dirk Nowinski, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, you got Manu Ginobili. You have to throw Luca's name in there already, and he's only twenty-two. You you would be you, you know you'd be hard. Pre- of course, you have Sabonis, uh, uh, Davidis Sabonis. Like you you have there has been there's been some incredible overseas players. Again, I think the cream of the crop, pretty much the top three that you that I can think of is uh, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dirk Nowinski. And in my opinion, Giannis. Now, of course, you can also. I think the the real debate is who's number four. In my opinion, is it Luca? Is it? I think Luca's better than Manu Ginobili. Don't don't get me wrong. He's better than Tony Parker. Uh, if you want to talk about Canada, I, I think he. You can have the argument if he's better than Steve Nash already. So, Luca Doncic. This this is, is funny, man. This two hundred and seven million seems low, <laughs> and that's crazy. For a man that's 22 and only getting better. He hasn't even touched his prime yet. 22. To put that in retrospect, right? I'm 27. Luka Doncic is five years younger than me. And getting freaky on the court. That's incredible. That's show, that really should show you how uh, how different basketball or how, yeah, how sports in general is changing. You look at I mean, look at this. Look at this draft class, man. If, I don't know for people. If you've been watching the summer league, which started what last week, or started this week, Jalen Green from the Rockets has he looked incredible. Jalen Suggs has looked incredible. Imani, I mean Imani Bates. Uh, Evan Mobley has looked great. 
Hell, some of the players that weren't even in the top 10 have looked good. Uh, Moody from Golden State, he was 14, but he looked good. Boot night. He like these play. The game is changing, man. Now, yeah, you still have you know the cream of the crop. You still have KD, Steph, LeBron, James. Like you still have the the top players, but the game is changing. We're gonna look up in about three or four years and say, "Damn, how do wait?" K Cunningham is arguably one of the, could. I'm not just saying him, but I'm saying this class of talent is like K Cunningham could be one of the best players in the league. Jalen Suggs can be one of the best players in the league. Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, like the Leangelo Ball is 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 has been incredible. Like the league is changing, man. So I think that this, you know, is smart. Usually, what you see is usually you don't you usually don't see a player sign an ex, their first extension for the team especially if they're they're bound to hit free agency in a couple years because they know that they can make more money uh, once they hit free agency. Now, again, as the years go up, of course, the salary cap and the number goes up. So you usually don't see players sign their first extension, especially a five-year extension. The difference is you don't see a player as good as Luka at 22. So the fact that when this is over – at most, he'll be 28 years old, 27, 28, which means he's still in his prime. He's still young enough to sign yet another extension. Man, man, oh, man, that's incredible. But shouts out to Luka Doncic. The onus now is on Dallas. Dallas has to get him better talent. We need to see what happens with uh, Porzingis, if he is a player that's going to stay or not. But they need to get him more talent. There's no reason why you're going to sign him. For, you You lock up. You locked up, um, you know, you lock up, you got him locked up for five years. And when I say locked up, I mean, like, got him, he's he's there for five years. Five more years than his, uh, once his current contract is over. So, you have to, you, this is a, this is a championship, championship caliber player. Hell, you see what he just did with Slovenia. Even though they didn't medal, he was incredible for Slovenia. So, you know, the onus now, like I said, is on Dallas. Are they going to get pieces around them? Dallas is not the greatest free agent attraction as we've seen year after year after year. However, Dallas has never had a player like Luka outside of Dirk. But, you know, yeah. So we need to see. We need to see. The onus, again, is on Dallas to get him talent. But I agree. And, and shouts out to Luka Doncic for signing a five-year, $207 million extension at 22 years old. So, shout out to him, man. Um, moving forward. So, the 2020-2021 Hall of Fame inductees were were inducted in the Hall of Fame. And there were some big names, man. I'm not going to go all of them, but you had Jimmy Johnson, the legendary coach for the Cowboys. Also, Jerry Jones uh, stopped BSing and, put, and said they're going to put Jimmy Johnson in the Cowboys Hall of Fame, which... I, that was a pretty petty thing right there. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was the best coach that Dallas has ever had, and they've only had success with Jimmy Johnson. So the fact that just now, like, it's it's been time, uh, Jerry Jones. But 
Jimmy Johnson was elected in the 2020 Hall. Now, again, because the Hall of Fame wasn't, or they, they had to push back the Hall of Fame due to COVID last year, you saw two nights. One night was a 2020 Hall of Fame class. The other night was a 2021 Hall of Fame. So, like I said, Jimmy Johnson, um, Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce from the, the St. Louis Rams. You saw, uh, let's see, Donnie Snell from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Eldrin James, he probably had the one of the greatest lines ever. I started my career with gold teeth. I ended it with a gold jacket. That, to me, that's a mic drop, bro. <laughs> that's a mic drop if I've ever seen a mic drop. That is one of the greatest lines I have ever heard at a Hall of Fame speech. I started my career. Now, for people that don't know, Eldrin James went to uh, the U, the University of Miami. And there was, you know especially players that came from the U or came from Florida, there was a reputation that they had that they were thugs, that, you know, they were hard to coach. Uh, they were, they were tough player. They were, they were tough players to, to be around. Like they were rugged players. And again, even though the league is dominated by African-American players, we know that the stigma that African-American athletes have, um, they're really, they're, they're good enough on the field or on the court, but not good enough in the, in the front office. Um, you know they're thugs, and they're you're expecting them to do something wrong. Like we know the stigma that that black players have. So the fact that he said that to me is again that's one of the best lines ever. I have to say it again. I started my career with gold teeth, which he did. He had a, he had a gold grill in his mouth, and it ended with a gold jacket. Um, hey man, that that that's a poof, mic drop. Uh, and of course Bill Cower. Probably, you know, one of the best coaches ever uh, responsible for, what, three or four of those, oh, no, three of them Steelers championships, two of those Steelers championships. So that was a 2020 class. 2021 saw my all-time favorite player of all time, Calvin Johnson. Uh, it saw Charles Woodson, arguably one of the best defensive players ever, and, of course, Heisman winner for Michigan. And of course, the more, arguably one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning. So that was the two. Th those were the class. Congratulations, John Lynch. Congratulations to uh, Drew Pearson. Also got it, actually. Bill Nunn. So shouts out to the 2020 Hall of Fame class and the 2021 uh, Hall of Fame class. Again, all of them is well-deserved. There's still a couple, like, Torrey Holt didn't make it. Reggie Wayne didn't make it. I, I think that they're, they'll make it in the upcoming years. To me, I think that there's a – to me, I understand, I guess, for personal reputation, but I understand the 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 – the the hoopla about being a first ballot hall of famer i mean at the end of the day if your bust is standing next to my bust in the hall of fame in canton or in springfield like we're all hall of famers so i don't i don't get the oh he was a fifth ballot hall of famer but my g chris chris carter chris carter i think it took like five six times for this man to make it to hall of fame but he made it in the hall of fame and his bust is sitting next to you know uh Peyton Manning's bust or his bust is sitting next to some of the first time Hall of Famers. So, you know, that's that's that. But but with that being said, the 2022 uh, Hall of Fame class or 
inductees or people that couldn't make it um, came out. And there were some uh, there were some interesting names. You had Steve Smith, the wide receiver from the Panthers. You had Andre Johnson, uh, uh, Anquan Bowden, Demarcus Ware, Devin Hester. But the real the 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 real question, the the person that pretty much uh, <laughs> dominated the headlines and dominated the debates was Tony Romo. Tony Romo, um, Tony Romo, is eligible for making. This, making the um making the, the the Hall of Fame. And a lot of people are questioning is he a Hall of Famer or not? Now, here's some of the career highlights that he has. He is second he has second team all pro in 2014. He's a four time pro bowler. He in 2014 he was the NFL passer rating leader. He had the completion percentage leader in 2014. Uh he won the Walter Payton Award in two thousand two. Which I think is college. His career stats, he had 4,335 passing attempts, 2,829 pass completions. Uh, that's a completion percentage of 30 or 65%. He had 248 touchdowns to 117 interceptions. Uh, he finished his career with 34,183 passing yards, and he finished his career with a passer rating of, thir- of 97 The question, the question really is, how do you determine your Hall of Famers? Now, again, I understand it's not us, it's 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 them, but how do you determine your Hall of Famers? Uh, what what is a Hall of Fame player to you? There's a lot of people, like I just talked about in 2021 over the 2021 class. Calvin Johnson is my favorite player of all time. Megatron, that's my favorite football player of all time. A lot of people said, I mean, he only played, what, nine seasons? He only played nine seasons. A lot of people, and in those nine seasons, you know, he was he was on the team that went 0-16 for the, for the Lions. I mean, he, he didn't really see a lot of success. However, people knew he was the best wide receiver by, by a wide margin when he was playing. So a lot of people questioned, well, because his accolades aren't there, should he be should he be a hall of famer though that question is also that question is also bold you can bold the same question for tony romo however calvin johnson didn't make the hall of fame and tony romo is has one i think one of the best passer ratings in nfl history one of the best completion percentages in nfl history like tony romo you can say what you want about Tony Romo. You can feel the way you feel about Tony Romo. Hell, I'm a Washington fan. I'm a Washington fan, so it's. Tough, but I have to give respect where respect is due. Tony Romo, even though he didn't win a Super Bowl, uh, he didn't win an MVP. He, he Tony Romo was a, a pretty good player, and Tony Romo did enough to make it in the Hall of Fame. I mean, again. The man is a four-time Pro Bowler, and he finished a passer rating of seventy of ninety-seven. And this is on a team that passed the ball a lot. So, I mean, again, you can feel how you feel about Tony Romo, but I do think that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's one of those players where you just like to hate. Hell, 
I didn't like Tony Romo when he was playing. Now I love Tony Romo now as a as a play by play color analyst for what CBS. Like he is incredible at that. Like he's a, he he can he can get in the Hall of Fame for that. But yeah, I mean, as much as I may not like Tony Romo because of the team that I like, Tony Romo is still an incredible player. So I I do think that. When you look at while he does again, while he doesn't have a lot of career accolades, he does have a lot of cowboy accolades. And he has a lot of sneaky numbers that you wouldn't expect. I mean, again, you wouldn't expect him to be, I think, top five in passer rating in NFL history. You wouldn't expect him to be top five and I think completion percentage in NFL history. You wouldn't expect Tony Romo to do that. So I, I do think that he's done enough to to make it into the Hall of Fame. So you know, I don't, and it goes back to what I just said. I don't know if he'll be first ballot or anything, but if he makes it a Hall of Fame, he makes it a Hall of Fame. Again, Chris Carter wasn't first ballot. Uh, T.O. wasn't first ballot. Uh, what's his name? Randy Moss wasn't first ballot. Wait, is Randy Moss all of Yeah, Randy Moss wasn't first ballot. Yet and still, in my opinion, Randy Moss and T.O. are arguably the best wide receivers of all time. So... Doesn't really matter what ballot you are. If you're in the Hall of Fame, you're in the Hall of Fame. And I do think that whether he gets in first ballot or not, I do think that he's a Hall of Famer. Um, that is Tony Romo. And again, when you look, Tory Holt is still not in the Hall of Fame. And people know how incredible he was for the St. Louis Rams. Uh Reggie Wayne, come on now. So now they will be, of course, Hall of Famers, but because they're not first ballot, a lot of people like to um a lot of people like to, I guess I don't know, to, to downgrade them or whatever. But, nah, it's I, I do think that Tony Romo will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know if it'll be in 2022, but I do think could be a Hall of Famer. Moving on. So, we talked about Messi last episode, and for people that missed it, uh, Lionel Messi is leaving or left Barcelona, but he didn't leave Barcelona because he won. Now, I know reports last year said that he won to, and he addressed those reports in his, uh, I guess, exit exit press conference. Yes, he did want to leave last year. He was unhappy last year, but this year he wanted to stay. And we saw a very tearful uh, Lionel Messi. Uh, he wanted to stay. On the, he, I mean, he grew up for on the Barcelona team. Like, he, he grew up. He, he I think he started playing kind of like Luke when he was 16. And now, you know, he's he's arguably the GOAT. Um, and I didn't really expound on it last episode, but I do think it's crazy that when you look at when you look at Lionel Messi, he's kind of in that uh LeBron James, he's kind of in that Michael Jordan, he's kind of in that uh Derek Jeter class as far as he, he they're synonymous with a club. Now let me okay. Let me throw out LeBron James, Derek Jeter, um, Michael Jordan, uh, Dirk Nowinski, Kobe Bryant. Like they're synonymous with the club. They were great enough, and of course we know Jordan in the later years with the Wizards, but nobody really considers that. When we think of Jordan, we think of the Bulls. So when we think of Derek Jeter, we think of the Yankees. When we think of uh, Michael Jordan, we think of the Bulls. When we think of Dirk Nowinski, we think of Dallas Mavericks. When we think of Kobe, we think of the Lakers. Those are pretty much statesmen as far as 
they've done so much for an organization or for a team that you expect them, even if they leave the team, you expect them to be left with grace or you expect them to leave on their own marriage. You expect them to leave on their own terms. Uh, you expect them, you know, the team, they've done so much for the team. The team is going to wrap their arms around them. It's surprising that you didn't really see that with Barcelona. The reason why he's not there is because of a financial thing that, by the way, they could have, uh, they could have, you know, they could have rectified. They could have fixed it. They just didn't. I think they were looking at his age and thinking they don't want to pay him that much money for a player that age. But the thing is, again, Lionel Messi now. You can you can argue what you want between who's the best between Messi and 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 Ronaldo, but there's no argument. Messi has been the best player for uh, Barcelona. He's been he's been their best player in front in, in in Barcelona sports history, and to see a player that's been so synonymous to a club just be treated like that or or get or have it in like that. You don't really see that that much, man. So it's 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 crazy in my opinion. But, um, you know, uh, he did choose uh, PSG, uh, Paris Saint Germain, Germain, uh, and I think that's gonna be crazy, man. You got him, Lena, uh, Brazil's uh, Neymar. You got Mabip, uh, who was incredible in the World Cup last a couple years ago. He, you know. This team is going to be something serious. Now, again, they, he's only signed a two-year deal, so I don't know what happens after that. But, you know, I just think it's it's weird, man. It's weird for the fact that and, – and, and Mike Wilbon said it. You don't really see a player at the end of their career get treated like Lionel Messi was treated in this situation. I understand about finance and everything, but if a team wants you there, they'll make it work. Barcelona just didn't want to pay him because I guess of his age. But I mean, if you even if even though you look at his age, he's still incredible. He's still one of the best soccer players in in the world. So I mean, didn't he just he just won for Argentina? Like they just won a World Cup. So I don't I don't know I don't know what's going on with them. And I think that when you look at when you look at organizations, man, I don't believe in the whole karma. I think if you're good to people, uh, you know, you'd be good to people. If not, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I do think that an organization, when you when you give all, your all to an organization and they don't in return pretty much. It's not when you give your all to an organization and your all has produced in a lot of a lot of victory and a lot of wins and a lot of success for the organization. And the organization doesn't repay you at the end, or you leave, or have to leave like that. I do think that, you know, that really, show, you know, free agents and and people looking for new ball clubs. I do think that that um, I do think that they remember that the fact that you're the best player that you've ever had, who we just saw crying in a press conference because he wanted to stay. He even said that he was willing to cut his salary fifty percent to stay, and you didn't make that work. I think that people remember that. But, again, he goes to PSG. I think that PSG is going to – well, PSG is already pretty much a powerhouse. But I do think that now that you have Neymar, Babip, and now Lionel Messi, that's going to be a scary team. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens after that. So, moving forward. Speaking of players, uh, pretty much leaving situations – the Raptors, 
of course, as we know, this offseason, uh, Kyle Lowry uh, went to the Miami Heat. He was a free agent, went to the Miami Heat. No, he wasn't. It was a sign. Was it? No. I don't think I think it was a sign and trade, but he went to the Miami Heat. And a report came out saying the Raptors are going to retire Kyle Lowry's jersey, the number seven. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people, it kind of goes back to the the whole. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the Rockets said that they're going to retire James Harden jersey, number thirteen. And it's like, do you retire players' jerseys one that's still playing, and two, um, if you really look at. The, People people think that you only should retire jerseys if they win you a championship, and that's not the case at all. Like that, you retire players' jerseys that meant something to the team. Hell, I think the Rockets have Yao Ming's jersey retired now. I know Yao Ming's a Hall of Famer, but they have Yao Ming's jersey retired. And he didn't win anything. I think I could be wrong, but I think that they have Tracy McGrady's jersey retired. Like, um. So you don't really have to win a championship. You just have to be good for the franchise or be memorable for the franchise. And Kyle Lowry was a very important piece. I mean, he he helped them. Now, I understand Kawhi Leonard was a big part of that, but he helped them win their first and only championship. That is the Raptors. Now, do I think that they should retire Kyle Lowry's jersey? Yes, I do. I do. I think Kyle Lowry deserves his jersey to be retired. He was. He's been an incredible player. He is an incredible player. Uh, his entire career, even though I don't, he's he annoys me. But he's still been an entire. He's still been a good player. So I do think. Let me say this. He's been a good player for Raptors, for the Raptors, for Toronto, and I, I do think that he deserves to be. Um, he deserves to be uh, in have the jersey retired. However. There's a couple people, I looked it up, the, the Raptors are one of a few teams that have no jersey retired. I know Memphis is one, but Memphis already came out and said they're going to retire Zach Randolph's jersey, uh, Mark Gasol, uh, Mike Conley, they're gonna, so they're, they're going to do that. The Raptors is a team that does not have any jerseys to retire, which is crazy to me because, yes, you're going to retire, uh, what's the name, you're going to retire Kyle Lauer's jersey, but why not retire DeMar DeRozan's jersey? He's one of the best players you've ever had. He wanted to stay, of course, but his name is kind of synonymous when you think of the Raptors. Why not retire Vince Carter's jersey? One of the greatest players ever, probably the best player you've ever had in the organization outside of Kawhi Leonard, but why not retire Chris Bosh's jersey? Chris Bosh, I mean, he was, what, the fourth overall pick, third overall pick uh, in the 2003 draft? Like, why not retire his his jersey? So, I don't know. It's a little questionable, but I'm not going to take away from this. Shouts out to Kyle Lowry uh, for, of course, getting a jersey retired. And, uh, you know, well-deserved. Even though I may feel some type of way about Kyle Lowry because he just annoys me, man, like as a player. But, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he, you know, helped Toronto win their first and only championship in basketball or pretty much, yeah, in basketball. So, and of course, his name is synonymous when you think of the Raptors. You know, he's meant so much for the organization, for the franchise. So I understand that they're going to retire his jersey, even though, again, I don't understand why DeMar DeRozan is not retired or, or Chris Bosh or, or Vince Carter. So I think they need to get on that. Now, would I retire Kawhi Leonard's jersey? No, he was only there for a year. But. You know, now I understand people say, but what about, you know, Golden State? They're going to say they're going to retire uh, 
uh, what's his name? They're going to retire Kevin Durant's jersey. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. So, bada bing, bada boom. But again, shouts out to Kyle Lowry for getting your jersey tired. And lastly, before we go, the the Team USA or the the Olympics pretty much have been wrapped up. And shouts out to all the participants that won. Uh, shouts out to all the participants in general. I understand that it was tough. Uh, you know, with the with the bubble-like atmosphere you couldn't really do much outside of the olympic games so shouts out to you guys for making it of course we know about a lot of players dealing with mental health issues um so shouts out for them for speaking out on that uh shout out to people like allison felix i think she won like her 10th or 11th medal which is the most in like women track or something shouts out to her especially coming off of pregnancy and i think a c-section She's an incredible, incredible talent. Uh, Allison Felix, shouts out to them. Shouts out to the women's track team. Uh, uh, they, they, they've been, they were incredible. I mean, but the people that I want to talk, you know, shouts, people that I'm going to talk about is Team USA basketball and women's basketball. Uh, I kind of addressed it last week or last episode. The question has been, has the world caught up to Team USA? First and foremost, Another question that came is, was Kevin Durant and Draymond Green who addressed a lot of the critics that they had? Because for people that remember, Team USA lost to France, Team USA lost to Nigeria, and they lost to uh, they lost to Nigeria and Australia in the ex- exhibitions. And they lost the first game that, that counted to France. And a lot of people were saying Team USA wasn't going to win it again. They weren't good enough to win gold. They're probably going to win silver or bronze. A lot of people said they weren't even going to medal. A lot of people were killing Doc, uh, what's his name? Greg Popovich. Now, I came up and said, you know, Greg Popovich does run a system that isn't really star-related. But a lot of people were killing Greg Popovich, saying he's the worst Team USA coach I ever had. Like, they were getting a lot of scrutiny, at least the men's side. And people were, you know, once they won, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant addressed the haters like they addressed uh, Kendrick Perkins. They addressed a lot of the people that were saying, you know, they were they were going to lose. And I think they they had every single right to do that. I don't, I'm not mad at them at all. I mean, if you come at me on your platform, I can come or I can respond and come back at you at mine. Like I have no problem with them coming back like that. Hey, <laughs> do what you do. But a question was, and 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 a question was asked, uh, or I got a, pro- a proclamation was uh, declared, and it was the world has caught up to Team USA. When you look, you have Luka Doncic for Slovenia, you have Rudy Gobert France, um, Patty Mills, who I think had a forty point or forty two points in their bronze medal game. He plays for Australia. Luca, that's Greece. Um, and Luca didn't even play. I'm uh, not Luca. Uh, Giannis. Giannis didn't play. That's Greece. You have Joel Embiid, Nigeria. He didn't play. Uh, you have Nikola Jokic. He didn't play, and he just won the MVP. Like, there's a lot of great foreign players. So, and the question, the question again was: Has Team USA have the world caught up to Team USA? And you can look at the men's, and especially the women's team, especially the women's team, and say, hell no. Yo, this wasn't the best team that the men could have could have brought. This wasn't, 
this probably was the best. This probably was the best team that the women could bring. And if you want to just talk, look at the women right now. The women blew, like blew out. Now again, they did lose a game, an exhibition game, but they blew out every single body. Like they, it wasn't even. They did not have a close game. I think their closest game was the gold medal game outside of the loss that they had. But their closest game was the gold medal game in against Japan, and they beat the dog ish out of them. So. Hell no, the world is not caught up to Team USA. I think the world's gotten better. Don't get me wrong, the world's gotten better. I mean, you see Giannis, two-time MVP, Finals MVP, uh, Nikola Jokic, MVP, Joel Embiid finished second in MVP. You have Ben Simmons for Australia. Team France has, like I said, Rudy Gobert. You have uh, Luka Doncic. We just talked about him. The world has gotten a lot better. Uh, back when, I think in 2012, when Team USA just beat the holy hell out of Nigeria by like 80 points, I think they only had like one or two NBA players. Now this this Nigeria team had like seven or eight or something like that. The teams have gotten better. Yes. The world has gotten better. But hell no, the world has not caught up to Team USA. Think about the players that didn't play this year. Steph didn't play. Uh, LeBron James didn't play. James Harden didn't play. Kev, uh, uh, Kyrie Irving didn't play. Klay Thompson didn't play. Paul George didn't play. Uh, Kawhi Leonard didn't play. Like what? <laughs> On the women's side, uh, Neka Abumake didn't play. Like, like, come on now. Like, come on now. Now, I understand Liz Cambage didn't play for Australia. I get that. But wasn't Liz Cambage wasn't doing much against against this Team USA women. So all I'm saying is, again, first, shouts out to Team USA. Shouts out to the women. Shouts out to Sue Bird. Dana Tur- no, first of all, shouts out to the women for winning their seventh straight gold medal. We, you know, they they have they had their dominance has extended longer than the men's, of course. Uh, shout out to Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, the only players in um, in world history for basketball to win five straight. Uh, shout out to Sylvia Fowles for winning four straight. Again, shout out to the Team USA women. And I, the gap between the men, uh, you know, it's still a wide gap in my opinion from the men and like Team USA men's and any other team. Uh, in the world, but the gap is exponential from Team USA women in the next best women's team. I don't even know who was it Australia, maybe I don't know, but the gap between Team USA men and the next team is 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 wide, and the gap between Team USA women and the next women's team is gigantic. But shouts out to them, man, and and shouts out again to all the people that participated in in the olympics again allison felix for making history uh a lot of the swimmers you know shouts out to all of them bro and there you have it man that has been today's episode of the unpopular podcast i appreciate you guys for listening appreciate you guys for watching uh if you want an unpopular podcast shirt hoodie long sleeve uh joggers sweaters the links in the description below i have multiple designs multiple colors go get yours today hey man go get your merch man this mer- hey this is some good merch, man. Go go get you some merch. Go get you some. <laughs> also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers, so anything will definitely help. Again, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And until next time, 
Much love. Hold on to your time 